We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, you beautiful people. I'm so happy to be connecting with you here today on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. Yes, our relationships with others can be confusing, and especially our committed romantic partnerships. And our relationships with money can be absolutely confounding. When you combine those two things, you often have the recipe for disaster. Money is at the top of the list for relationship challenges and is the number one reason for divorce. So how can we navigate through this terrain loaded with landmines? Well, that's the conversation we're going to be having today with my author and expert, Christina Steinnorth. Christina is a psychotherapist and a popular relationship expert on radio and in print. Her wonderful wisdom has been featured in publications such as the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Woman's Day, Cosmopolitan, and the Chicago Tribune. She has also recently authored a beautiful, powerful, and very helpful book called Cue Cards for Life, Thoughtful Tips for Better Relationships. So, Christina Steinor, thank you for being back on Journey to Center with me today. Well, thank you for having me back, Tammy. I had so much fun when you were here a little while ago. I'm like, we must get her back on again and talk about this really hot topic. It is a hot topic. It's a very hot button topic. Yeah, I think everyone would agree that money and relationships can be really tough subjects. So I'm so glad we have you here to shed some light on it. Thank you. So um, talking about money when you're starting to date somebody really isn't very romantic. But you say it's it's important. Um, How, when, why do we need to address this? You know, it's not romantic, and it's often a very difficult topic to bring up, so people tend to avoid it. But, you know, we talk about everything else. You know, we we usually go into how many uh, boyfriends or girlfriends we've had in the past. We talk about our families. You know, it it is a natural thing, then, to talk about money, because it will be a part of your history, especially if you're a little older when you got when you get married. And it's just something that we, we need not to be afraid of introducing into a conversation. And now when to do it, I would recommend to do it about three to four months when you start dating, you know, after you've been dating. And the reason for that is by the three to four month mark, you kind of know if it wasn't going to work out, you would have broken up already. But three to four month mark, you kind of have an idea that this may go a little bit further. So that's a good time to start bringing the finance stuff up. Yeah, you. I think people are often more secretive about the money they make and, you know, the financial aspect of the life more than any other part. Have you found that to be true? I, I have found that to be true. And what I find so interesting is, you know, when people, they'll talk about their past romantic history, they have no problem telling you maybe how many people they slept with, no matter how high the number is. But when you talk about finances, oh, we don't talk about those things. You know, and it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because, you know, when you get married to somebody, finances will be a huge part of your relationship. And it's something that you need to come to an agreement on, or at least an understanding of how things will work, you know, what you're both comfortable with before you walk down that aisle. Because if you don't, it's going to wreak havoc in your relationship. I I promise you it will. 
Yeah, you have a quote. If you want to have an open, honest relationship, it is essential to understand your partner's financial attitudes and behaviors. You I know. want an open and honest relationship. So, <laughs> yeah, that can be tough advice to take, though. It can be tough advice to take and tough advice to follow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a, a lot of couples, they get into this thing where maybe they, they hide their finances from one another, or maybe you have, or maybe one, one partner has a lot of student loan debt that they don't want to talk about before they mm-hmm. get married. You know, and these are things that you owe it to your partner to know because it will impact your ability to buy a house in the future. And these, these are the things that I think that a lot of people don't think about. And I, I think the reason we don't think about them is because we, we're taught, we're reared not to talk about finances. We don't see the full ramifications of things. Like if we don't reveal how much debt we're coming into the marriage with, and then we only find out when we go to apply for a loan for a house, you know, the, your, your partner who had no idea is not going to be that happy with you. It's like, well, why didn't you tell me? You bring up a good point. I, I know when I first started dating my husband, he's the one that brought it up. And I was surprised because I'd never dated anybody that brought up how much money they made or asked me about my situation. He was very, very forthright and very, very honest. And I was a little bit like taken aback. But I'm glad because I did have some debt. And I was curious, you know, how financially stable are you? But it's not something I felt like I wanted to bring up. Um, so I was glad that that conversation was brought out into the forefront. I think it really, really did help put us on a more solid ground than um, if it hadn't been brought up. And I, I think it's good that we have conversations like we're having right now on the radio. And, you know, I, I, I wish more people would do this and, you know, more hosts would have this topic come up so we would become more comfortable with it. And. Yeah. I think the reason we're not comfortable with it is, you know, our parents basically taught us, most of us, that, you know, it's not okay to talk about money. Now, my dad happened to be a banker, so that's all we talked about in my house. So, (laughs) you know, I I tend to be more comfortable with it than most. But I also, because my dad is a banker and because I would hear the stories that would happen uh, on the banking end of it, and then I see the problems it causes on the counseling end, on the relationship end of it, you know, I realized how important this conversation is, and we need not be afraid of it because it will save you so much heartache later on in your relationship if you just put as much as you can on the table. I absolutely agree. So I have a question for you, Christina. Is it important to have similar philosophies and goals with your partner if, if, if you don't? I mean, is that is that going to cause problems, you think, down the line? Well... I think that there's always possibility for compromise. You know, ideally, you would like to have similar philosophies. You know, maybe you're both savers. You know, maybe you both like to clip coupons, look for bargains. Where you may run into conflict is if one of you is a coupon clipper, the other one is more impulsive with their spending. You know, while you're going through the romantic stages of your relationship, the very early stages, you'll be in love and you may be be able to overlook things. But say later on, you have a couple children, you have a couple family members who are ill, you know, the bills start to pile up. Eventually, the one who's the saver will probably have an issue with the one who has the impulsive spending. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we try to address this up front, and you, you do it by asking direct questions. You know, what's your philosophy on debt? You know, do, are you okay with credit card spending? 
Do you, do you like to finance your cars? Do you like to save up enough money to buy them outright? You know, ask the very pointed questions because that's, that's how you will figure out what your philosophies are like. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a good point. So, Christina, I, I thought this was interesting as well and hadn't thought about it, but you're absolutely right. You say, um, in addition to being about love and commitment, marriage is a financial agreement. It is a financial agreement. You know, when you go to buy a house, for example, they will want, you know, both your, your credit score and your husband's credit score. And, you know, we, we enter into this agreement with somebody and we, we need to think of it, the rest of it is a financial agreement as well. You know, the student loan debt, if you co-sign for debt, that's also a financial decision. And also, too, in some states, now, the states vary very widely with what their laws are. But in some states, marriage may actually protect your finances better than if you were, as opposed to living together. Because let's say, for example, you choose to live together and you merge your finances. You know, if things go south in your relationship, your partner could theoretically drain your accounts and you may have very little recourse. Whereas if you're married, you know, you're not allowed to do that in most states. You know, I'm talking from California and here everything is community property. It's 50-50. You know, one one spouse cannot drain your, your bank account. So it's just something to think about. It's something to know. Be familiar with the financial laws in your state. If you're not sure where to find that information, maybe talk to a financial advisor. And, you know, kind of make yourself, help yourself get educated about what the laws are and what your rights are and what protections you have. So, yes, I I do believe that marriage is, part of it is a financial arrangement. Well, you make a good point. I haven't really thought about it. But, you know, when you marry somebody, it's a contract between you and that person. So it, it's, it's, you know, it's like signing a contract for a house or a car or whatever. You're, you're partnered with this person financially and otherwise. So that's, it's a very, very good point. Not romantic, but really, really, really important. It's not romantic. And the, the thing is, you know, when you, when you co-sign for a loan, for example, you know, your marriage may be, be till death do you part, but your, your loans that you co-sign for aren't. You know, if your partner passes away and you've co-signed for debt, uh, it's, at least in my state, you know, you are still responsible for that debt. You can't say, well, my partner passed away. This is something we did together. They don't care. You still will be responsible for, responsible for that debt. So it's just, you know, when you enter into contracts, and, you know, marriage is a contract as well, it's just important to keep in mind all the ramifications and try to be as open and honest as possible about your finances and also do check-ins from time to time. You know, see if your, fi- see if your financial philosophies still match. You know, how about you've been married a couple of years, you both have a couple of good jobs, and can you lighten up on how much you save? You know, or do, you, do one of you hold a rigid belief, no, we must save this so we can reach this goal by this and this year, you know, that type of thing. It's always good to check in because like anything else in life, people change. And when mm-hmm. people change with time, so will your relationship. So do check-ins on a frequent basis. It'll help. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious about your thoughts about prenups. Ah, uh, I, I, I tend not to hold a very popular thought about prenups because for myself, I think that they're a good thing. 
but I understand that a lot of people don't, and I understand why a lot of people don't. And you know, it's it's a very in, individual decision. You know, just because one person believes in them, one person doesn't, doesn't mean it's right or wrong. I, I think that if your partner asks you to sign a prenup, it may be something that you want to talk to a financial advisor about. Um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't trust you. I understand how that that's, that's implied. But, you know, we have to also be, be realistic. The divorce rate today hovers around 50%. That's huge. And if one partner, you know, has, you know, has basically, if you're a little bit older when you've gotten married and, you know, work for 20 years and, you know, accumulated all this, all, all of these assets, you know, is it unreasonable for them to ask you to sign a prenup? Mm, it's not romantic, but I don't find it unreasonable. Right. Yeah, I would think if somebody has um, a great deal of, of resources or money or, you know, whatever, coming into the marriage, maybe they want to protect that. You know, if you build it together, maybe that's something different. If both people coming in are at the same, same kind of financial place, um, what are your thoughts? I would agree with you. And I, I think a lot of times when we're in the beginning stages of a relationship, you know, we're very emotional because we're in love. We have all those good hormones, those good feel-good hormones going on. And, you know, when somebody asks us, well, will you sign a prenup? That's, that's, it's like, wow. It's like, well, you don't trust me. It's like, well, that's, that's not necessarily true. You know, especially if you're older when you get married, as we mentioned, they may have children that they want to make sure are protected. And, you know, I think that, I think that as partners who are asked to sign those types of agreements, to, to sign prenuptial agreements, we need to be sensitive. Like, look, maybe this person has a couple children, maybe a couple grandchildren they would like to provide for. So maybe not take it so personally and try to keep the emotions out of it. And again, look at it, you know, from a business, business standpoint and put yourself in their position. Would you ask your partner to do the same? Would you find it smart? to do the same thing if you were in your partner's position. Ask yourself that question in that manner, and I think you'll come up with a different, a different feeling about the whole thing. Yeah, try to put your feet in their shoes. Well, something I found, because I work a lot with uh, prosperity, the topic of prosperity and financial abundance, and it's inter- it is such a hot topic because it can be a literal projection of our own issues of self-value, self-worth. And if somebody's struggling with their own personal innate sense of value, they tend to struggle also with the topic of money. And that can be doubly, triply, or, you know, multifold when you start dealing with it in a personal relationship. There could be issues of, well, you don't value me. You don't see it as objectively as possible. So it, it is, um, again, really loaded with landmines. So I'm so happy we're having this conversation. Me too. It, it is loaded with landmines. And you know, like we were talking about, if you cannot, if you can try to not take it personally and understand why your partner might be asking you to sign such an agreement, and also getting away from prenuptial agreements, if you're not comfortable talking about money, ask yourself why might why might your partner be asking you these types of questions? Like in your case, your mm-hmm. husband was, you know, when he brought those things up when you were dating. Obviously, he was interested in taking it to the next level because he was asking those questions. Right. So it's, you know, it's a good sign that they're letting you know, basically, that they are interested. They want to see if they can have a future with you. And so much of dating is figuring out if we're compatible. 
And one area that helps to be compatible a lot is in finances. Yeah. And, and that has made our relationship easy. I don't think we've ever had one fight about money, but we did get it all on the table and we really are very compatible. We like value. We clip coupons. You know, it's, we're funny like that. So oh, I it's, love uh, it, coupons. yeah, we're, we love our bed, bath and beyond coupons. It's like, Oh, we have to go get something because we have a coupon. <laughs> oh, those are fantastic. And they send a lot of them too. It's like, Oh, <laughs> they really do. But then they started like putting dates on them and they don't have the 20% off on everything unless you move. So, I know, <laughs> They've I changed know. it, but we still enjoy them. <laughs> so um, what do you think in regards to when, you know, say people are dating for a while or are married for a while, when and if, I mean, should they combine their finances? Uh, you know, maybe they don't ever or should they right away? How do we determine if and when's the best time to do that? You know, some couples do decide to uh, combine them right away. Other couples don't. There is no right or wrong answer. It's Again, it's to the individual and what you both feel comfortable with. And I just urge you, if you're not comfortable with something, don't do it until you are. Don't be coerced into it. Don't be, you know, well, don't fall into that. Well, if you really love me, no, don't fall into that because, you know, you can't be guilted into something that you, you don't agree with because eventually that's going to come back and bite you. Oh, yeah. Don't do it. And, you know, I, I think the best way to go about it is to put it all, all, all out on the table. Are you comfortable with doing it? See where your partner stands on the issue. And then maybe both of you can go talk with a financial advisor and see what's in your best interest when to do it. Because, again, if one of you is carrying heavy debt into a relationship, you may want to weigh how that will impact if you combine finances. How will that impact you getting loans for if you're both going to school, a student loan, or if you're want to get a car, if you want to get a house, you want to get credit cards, how will that factor in? And a person who's an expert in finances will be able to tell you that and advise you what would be the best decision. Now, it's up to you whether you want to follow that advice, but at least both of you are educated and you can make a decision based on what you've heard. Yeah, that's really good. So you bring up a good point. How could somebody find a qualified financial advisor in their area. They're listening to this going, well, that's a really good idea. I have a lot of questions. How might they find somebody? You know, you can go talk with your local branch manager at a bank. Mm-hmm. They know people. Uh, you can also ask relatives. You know, if you have relatives that you know that you, you like their business savvy, ask them. You know, word of mouth referrals are usually the best, in my, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because especially if you have a family member who seems to have it together financially, oh my gosh, that would be the first person I would go to because, oh, they, they seem to be doing it right. I want to learn. Where did you right. go get that information from? Yeah, that's good. I always say look to the examples that are living the life that you respect or admire or want to emulate and go ask them questions. I think that's really good advice. And also so, research the people that you, you do go interview. You know, make sure that, you know, their reviews are legit. And that's why it's better if you know somebody personally to, to do that thing. That's my personal belief because, you know, anybody can load up reviews on the Internet. You know, just, just be careful. Right. I think that's good. Be full of care when dealing with the subject. So something I really liked in your book about cue cards for life, thoughtful tips for better relationships. You have um, some advice or suggestions about how to fight fair. Do you have any tips or suggestions about how to deal with arguments, fights or challenges around this topic of money? I do. I, I think that when you are addressing issues about money, 
it's very important to stick to the financial end. You know, if you have a problem with your your partners, let's say your your husband's spending, don't go to him and say, you know what, you're worthless. You obviously don't love me. You spend money like crazy. You know, because basically what you're doing is you're 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 character assassinating them. And you know, no, you you want to address the finances and stick to stick to finances instead of saying something like I just said. Say something, you know what, I'm concerned about our finances. It seems that we, we have this budget in place, but it seems you have difficulty spending it. How can I help you better stick with our budget? And when you phrase it that way, you're offering your partner the ability to, to talk about it openly with you, knowing that they're not going to get attacked, and therefore you can seek a mutual resolution. When you attack your partner and call them irresponsible, call them names and get into the you-don't-love-me type of thing, you're not going to get anywhere because they're going to get defensive. They're going to attack you back. And then it just downward spirals into stuff that doesn't have anything to do with finances. So as much as possible, try to stick to the topic at hand. Right. I hear that. Don't make it personal and try to take the emotion out of it. Always try to take the emotion when, you know, and that's almost like any argument. You'll, you'll argue much more effectively and you'll, you'll come to a resolution much quicker if you can take the emotion out of it and just stick to the issue. Yeah, I like that. So I loved reading that you offer um, a financial compatibility quiz on your website. Is that available? I do. You can go to my website and you can download this little quiz. Very simple. It's like 10 questions. And if you, what I really recommend for the couples who have difficulty talking about finances, it's a fantastic way to open up the subject. You know, you just run this off, make a copy for you, make a copy for your partner and say, hey, why don't we take this quiz together? That will open up the dialogue between you two. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, if, if you're feeling, if you're listening to this going, well, it all sounds good in theory, but it's going to be a tough subject. Maybe you just uh, go print out the quiz, take it, and it will give you that opportunity to bring the conversation out to the forefront. I have another tip, too. If, uh, if the quiz it doesn't quite get you to that point in your conversation where you want to get, another recommendation I'd like to make to your listeners is what I'd like for each partner to do is take a piece of paper and ask each other, please list the five most important financial goals you have. What are the, most, what are the five most important financial things to you in our marriage? Ooh, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to do this with my husband. Five most important financial goals. And then once you've written them down, you know, be it, it could be pay credit card debt. It could be put our children through college. It could be have an re, uh, early retirement, pay off our mortgage, things like that. But whatever they are, I just want each partner to write down five things. And then I would like you to exchange the list. Uh, see, now you've, you're able to talk about it because you may have no idea what your partner finds important. But it's a safe way to do it because you're not looking at each other. It's like, well, you better, you better come up with the same things I did. You have no idea what you, you both wrote down. Then you, you swap it. And again, it, it just opens up, the, opens up the dialogue to have these productive conversations. Yeah, it creates that space to really um, have a conversation and communicate at a, at a deeper level than just maybe just, well, you know, we need to talk about money. <laughs> yeah, you have five specific things, and between you, you'll have ten. There you go. I love that. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left here, Christine. I think you've shared a lot of really, really incredible wisdom. Um, I definitely want you to do a shout-out. How can people find you and your website? 
You can find me at www.ChristinaSteinnorth.com. That makes it easy. And, you know, the last time I had you on the show, there was one thing I wanted to mention to you that I love so much in your book, Cue Cards for Life, that I absolutely use in my life. And I'm so glad I have you back so that I can just say it. I love this. Never stop courting your partner. (laughs) So important. It's so important. I don't care how long you've been together. Never stop courting your partner. Uh, you, You need to make sure your partner falls in love with you every day. Don't just think that once you have them, you can take them for granted. It should be a daily thing. I think so. You know, little cards, just thoughtful gifts. Let me rub your shoulders. You know, people go, why does your relationship with your husband work? We've been together for 12 years. I said, I never take him for granted. I lead with appreciation every day and I I continue to court him. So I just think that's such valuable information. So I'm so glad I got you back on here to be able to make that point again. (laughs) Thank you for having me back. Yes, you are just a pleasure. You definitely know your stuff. I, I love the way you think and, and communicate. Your book is amazing. Cue Cards for Life, Thoughtful Tips for a Better Relationship. It's a, it's a really um, powerful read, but it's easy to get through and just a lot of really great tips there. So I, I really suggest to my um, listeners, my friends to pick that up because if you want a better relationship, it can really support you in manifesting that. Thank you again, Christina, for taking some time out of your day. You've been so accommodating with your schedule and your flexibility. So I'm just very, very grateful to you. Thanks so much, Tammy. Absolutely. And to Brent Carey and Nate, you guys are amazing. I love working with you here at Empower. I don't know of anything that can possibly be better than this. So I'm just so grateful to you. And to my listeners, it wouldn't be a show without you hanging out with us. I would love to hear from you. Please connect with me on my website, TammyBPhD.com. Download the free guided meditation. Um, There's a lot of free stuff for you there. And be in touch with any questions, comments, thoughts suggestions. I'm really open to connecting with you from the heart. So God bless you. Thank you for hanging out with us onward and upward. Bye for now.